And then another interesting thing to me that that's starting to happen is giving us a three-dimensional um, perception of a two-dimensional item. And 3D mapping makes so much more sense with our brains than 2D mapping. And in all of the, you know, all the compass navigation courses that I ever took in the Marine Corps, a lot of those were were the, the most difficult classes that that anybody took. At certainly the highest rate of failure. And I think part of that is that when we look at contour maps, it doesn't necessarily make sense. You know, it's sort of like somebody who's not a software engineer looking at binary code. Like that may make perfect sense to somebody who has this really specific way of viewing the world. But for most people, uh, contour maps are, are a little bit difficult to read. And God forbid that you try to navigate with map and compass in a place that doesn't have very much topography and you're doing it with a contour map. These are stories of outdoor adventure and expert advice from folks with calloused hands. I'm James Nash, and this is the Six Ranch Podcast. The Six Ranch Podcast is brought to you by Sig Sauer. SIG is a leading provider and manufacturer of firearms, electro-optics, ammunition, air guns, and suppressors. For over 250 years, SIG Sauer Inc. has evolved and thrived by blending American ingenuity, German engineering, and Swiss precision. Today, SIG Sauer is synonymous with industry-leading quality and innovation, which has made it the brand of choice amongst the U.S. military the global defense community, law enforcement, competitive shooters, hunters, and responsible citizens. Sig Sauer is also a premier provider of elite firearms instruction and tactical training at the Sig Sauer Academy located in New Hampshire. For more information about Sig Sauer and its complete line of products, visit SigSauer.com. Well, sir, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, I'm Lorenzo Sartini. Founder in I hate titles, so I won't say the other part of Go Hunt. And what is Go Hunt? So Go Hunt has uh, been a lot of things over the years, unknowing, you know, with with probably the broader um, consumer unknowing to what we would be today, but it was always known we were going to be here. So where we are today is the premier and full product for a Western hunter. Okay. And within that, what type of products do you offer? So being a Western hunter, and you'll probably get the vibe of this through today, we are, we are hyper-focused on Western hunting as our vertical of what we serve. Um, and, and that is obviously first and foremost starts with research, right? Applications, multi-state strategies, uh, trying to build out your hunt calendar as you know, opportunistic and, and as full as you want it to be. That's where we started. And that's where people pretty much knew of us um, in the past over the last five and a half years is, is starting there. Um, but obviously there's a lot more that goes into Western hunting than just that. It's also the e-scouting. It's also the in the field um, offline mapping products and capabilities. And uh, that's why I say we're the premier and full suite of, of a Western hunting product is because we serve all parts of the journey that a Western hunter goes through in an annual cycle, um, which, you know, I don't know why we do it to ourselves, but it's the best thing there is on the planet to go through all that stuff. Where do you draw the line and where Western hunting begins? So that's actually a good question. Um, Western hunting for us is defined multiple, multiple different ways. Um, obviously an easy one is species, but that doesn't necessarily encapsulate what our product does and the problem set that we solve for. We, we re any state that needs or consumer that needs data, trended data, um, consolidated information on draws, draw odds, statistical significance of herds in, in um, hunting opportunity for residents and non-residents, that is considered Western hunting to us. Public land spot and stock is the style. Um, and, and the information that we can solve for is exactly what I just talked about. Gotcha. Um, 
I was giving Jordan Bud a, a hard time earlier today because she just moved to Boise or outside of Boise um, from from the Sand Hills of Nebraska. And I said, "Welcome to the West." And she said, "I kind of feel like I was in the West." And I was like, "I don't know. I think you it's can different. you can drive to it from there, but I don't know that Western Nebraska is uh, is Western hunting. Although it is tough to draw that line. It is. It is tough, and that's where you know delineation of of definition is, is always an interesting thing with any business or product that serves a specific set. Right. And for us, yeah, we can expand in some other areas, but our DNA and our culture being hyper-focused on this, this Western hunting specific, uh, you know, uh, vertical of, of market that we want to service. It is like you said, is that the West? Yeah, possibly but it's not the same as Colorado, Idaho, you know, Nevada, Utah, the, the true Western hunting specific States. Um, and so it's, it's kind of fun to play with that delineation of definition. And we do it a lot to try to expand our thought process. But when we actually put our heads down and, and get to work, we stay very disciplined to our craft, which is Western hunting as we see it. Yeah. Well, I just bought go hunt for the first time, you know, about a year ago and it's been a wonderful suite and a great product for me. And I've learned a lot through doing it. And I'm a data driven guy. I, I rely on numbers to make decisions because emotionally I make bad decisions. So if I can rely on data, then I make better decisions. Simple enough. But I was outside of cell service this year and pulled up um, a mapping suite that I'd been using before. And you know, that app or whatever had needed an update. So all the maps that I downloaded were no longer accessible to me. And I was like, I just hiked up this absolutely brutal Canyon that made me rethink my profession. And I was in a bad state of mind. Like I needed this thing and I'd paid a lot of money for it. And when I got back that night and got back to cell service, up pops um, your go hunt mapping um, beta test. I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, Corey Jacobson had talked with me a little bit about it. He hadn't said much, only that he was excited about the product and I got to download it and start using it. This is really exciting stuff. So um, the main reason I wanted to have you on the, on the show today is to talk about this mapping. So what can you tell us right now? So it's obviously the newest product that we have released within our, our full company. Um, and it's the final piece to the puzzle of connecting everything into one place that really does encapsulate that annual life cycle of a Western hunter from that research to getting the good news of drawing tags and filling out your hunting season with OTC or whatever opportunities you, you want in there into the e-scouting, which we have had in the past, that 3D online, uh, our, our web 3D that's tied to our research platform. And now this final piece of the puzzle, which is obviously hunters needed in the field. Right. I mean, there's typically been a lot of wasted effort in a Western hunters uh, annual cycle. And I'm I am no, you know, uh, outlier to that. I've had a lot of wasted effort over the years and we always knew we were going to solve for that. But obviously solving for things the right way takes time. <laughs> I wish it wasn't. I wish it wasn't that way. Uh, but everything in life is is not easy. Right. So it, it takes time and it takes time to do it the right way and foundationally. And we got there and now our product is, is fully connected. So we have a lot of, uh, obviously a lot of interest in these maps. And the one thing I can tell you is we, we do not view ourselves as a mapping company. We are not a state by state mapping company. We are a product set for Western hunters. We genuinely are different than anything out there. Like we, you really can't compare us to something else that's already existed because our, our thought process going into this is just hyper-focused on the needs of a Western hunter, not on the needs of a map, right? It's very, two very different topics there. Maps, if you really want to go down that path, there is so much data and cartography and everything that goes down this, this path, right? But for me, as a, as a Western hunter and a consumer and where this was bred out of, I use a map for a very specific purpose. And I use that product for a very specific purpose. One that you just touched on, right? You updated the app, went off into the backcountry, so to speak, out of service and lost all of your data. That is a very common practice for a Western hunter. We do that daily 
right? You're, you're in and out of service. I go on multiple back countries, back, back country hunts every year, like probably too many, but I don't want to stop. And uh, I'll just mend my relationships when I get home, you know, deal with it later. But I, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, the, it's on the bill of sale. Like it is, right? I mean, it's, it, I, we're not lying about who we are. If you want to get involved, this is part of the package. You know, you're, you're exactly. going to be, I got down on one knee and proposed and said, let's get married, but it cannot be during the fall. <laughs> we talked about having a family and starting a family. And I said, absolutely. But the birth cannot be during the fall. I got married in May and I had a baby in March. It's perfect. Um, but you know, it's, it's common practice for a Western hunter to be in and out of service when you're in the backcountry, even because you get to these peaks and you pick up service. What's the first thing you do touch base at home, right? Touch base with family, maybe do a little bit more e-scouting on your phone, try to do a little bit more information gathering while you're actually out there on the hunt. So you're constantly in this process of like pinging data back and forth. And that's not common for other type of hunting, other types of hunting, right? And, and that's a very specific definition that we use in our term of Western hunting is the definition is predicated on the use case, which Western hunters have a, uh, have a very specific use case of randomly and wildly being in and out of service and not knowing how long that device will have service for to do a proper download or to do a proper update or to do all of these things, right? So our use case is very much built around the use cases and needs, the true needs of a Western hunter, which we feel like have not ever been surfaced fully or, or surfaced fully. Sure. And, and you're innovating something that's a very old problem. And, you know, necessity is, a, is the mother of invention. Right. Most of the time, a lot, a lot of things are, are solutions looking for a problem. But the oldest map that we're aware of came from Babylon in the 6th century um, BC. And it, it was just a, a clay tablet. And one of the, the things that I find interesting about that map is that Babylon is at the center of the map. And we kind of got away from that for a long period of cartography. And we just tried to make a map that showed as much of the known space as we possibly could. And then we started with, with digital mapping, gradually working our way back towards putting us at the center of the map and putting me specifically at the center of the map. And the first digital map actually was just in 1993. It's not that long ago. It was, it was a Xerox map. And I did not know that. That's actually really cool. Yeah, Google Earth, um, you know, that fired up in, in 2004. So a, a lot of this stuff is really, really fresh. And now we have GPS technology in our phones that's putting us at the center of the map. So by harnessing that GPS and then consolidating it with all of the all of the data and tools that you have within Go Hunt and now this mapping stuff, you're doing something that's pretty unique and uh, and you're you're working on a very very old problem. Exactly, that's exactly right. And you know, the use case for us with being the center of the map is what what you are doing while you're in the center of the map is hunting. What you're doing in the center of our product all revolves around Western hunting. So that theme has just flowed all the way through this product suite that, you know, that we have fully closed now is, you know, the circle fully closed in this ecosystem that really works together in one place. Um, you know, I actually really like the way you put that, how digi digital maps puts the user in the middle of the map. What we've been doing is put the user in the middle of hunting and all uh, with Western hunting in all parts of the, of the process, the research, the, the e-scouting and now in the field. So actually, uh, I might steal that from you for some marketing things in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like you put that. Feel free to. Um, and then another interesting thing to me that that's starting to happen is giving us a three-dimensional um, perception of a two-dimensional item. And 3D mapping makes so much more sense with our brains than 2D mapping. And in all of the, you know, all the compass navigation courses that I ever took in the Marine Corps, a lot of those were, were the, the most difficult classes that, that anybody took at certainly the highest rate of failure. And I think part of that is that when we look at contour maps, it doesn't necessarily make sense. You know, it's sort of like somebody who's not a software engineer looking at binary code. Like that may make perfect sense to somebody who has this 
really specific way of viewing the world. But for most people, uh, contour maps are, are a little bit difficult to read. And God forbid that you try to navigate with map and compass in a place that doesn't have very much topography and you're doing it with a contour map and those contour lines are way far apart. I, I've never, I've never had to do that. Um, it sucks. Obviously my, I grew up on paper maps and, and compass. That's, I mean, I'm old enough to, you know, not to date myself, but to actually start hunting that way with paper maps and compass. And uh, you're exactly right on contour lines. And it is a different language. It really is. Like you, you have to learn how to read a map like you're reading another language, just like binary code. And uh, it takes a lot, of, a lot of effort and a lot of time to put into it to truly understand it and feel comfortable with it, especially in the backcountry. And, uh, you know, 3D for us, yeah. Western hunters live in 3D every day. And getting back to definition of what is Western hunting when you gave Jordan Bud a hard time in in West, what'd you say, West Nebraska? Yeah, she's in the Sandhills, or was. She's in Boise now, so. Was, was in the Sandhills there. Uh, you know, a Western hunter truly lives in 3D every day. I mean, we, our lives revolve around peaks and valleys. Uh, that's that's where we live. That's definitely where she lives now in Boise is a valley with in between a lot of big peaks. And, you know, us in the West, that's what we're accustomed to is just these massive, you know, massive mountain ranges that come up out of out of nothing. So looking at a map that's completely flat, but you're standing in this valley looking at 10,000 foot peaks, it just, it doesn't register the way you look at that and then try to language read the map, right? And so digital products have been great as far as uh, navigation goes, right? It, it, they've been phenomenal. GPS units, you know, I've used a bunch of them through the years. And now obviously everybody's using their phone device because that's what you have on you. You get to strip some weight from the actual navigation device itself that we used to, that we came from that hard, good product that we came from. And, uh, they've been great for navigation, but this 3d thing is, in my opinion, has really lacked. Like, it's just, you know, it's just, it's such a basic necessity for a Western hunter, in my opinion, in our, in our company's culture. Like we truly believe that is an absolute necessity for a Western hunter. And, uh, it really does just, it makes everything you know, come to life, so to speak, or just make it easier to understand while you're looking at the digitized map that's in front of your face, when then you lift your head up and look out into the, to the world, right? Just there's, there's not that language barrier anymore. Yep. It kind of strips that away. And the, the not so funny joke in the Mar Marine Corps is that, or I guess throughout the military is that a map is a two-dimensional representation of the truth as viewed from above. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, it's it, it's all fun and games until uh, that representation of the truth doesn't turn out to be the actual truth. Yeah. And I remember planning missions um, using Google Earth and looking straight down at everything, and you couldn't tell whether something was a wall or a ditch. And yeah. that mattered very much, it mattered very much for mission planning, but that's all you got. So now as we're trying to plan a different type of mission, trying to plan into a, a hunt or something like that for e-scouting, it is a tremendous asset to be able to actually look at something three-dimensionally and get a concept of what you're going to look like if you're standing on this point looking in this direction. So what are some of the benefits for you to be able to use that tool in that way? Well, I'll tell you where it started. Um, the, like the true... You know, I, I don't put my, my foot down very much. We have a very flat culture. I go on, I believe everybody deserves a fair shot at a great idea and it should be seen through. Um, especially when we all live the same life and we're all into the same, the same things in life. So here, you know, internally we have that very flat culture, but one point, one place I did put my foot down was on 3d and having true, true 3d. And it was because uh, my use case that I gave them, what the, the data that I stood behind was I was on an over-the-counter elk hunt in Colorado and found an absolutely once-in-a-lifetime over-the-counter quality of, of bull, right? And it, you know, I was four, I believe I was 14 point something miles in the backcountry at the time before we finally turned up a bull of that class. Um, you know, we'd been seeing four rag raghorn, you know, fours and fives on the way in. And I was just holding out for a six point, not knowing that I was going to find a six point of, of this caliber. Right. And, uh, he finally bedded down with his cows and I made a massive move on him. That took me the better part of a full day. 
and I had everything in my favor. I was, I was tailing the herd just perfect. He obviously was centered between all the cows and things were going on and they were kind of moving around this little, this little ridge. Like it wasn't even a hog's back ridge. It wasn't, it wasn't a steep ridge. It wasn't anything. It was just a nice rounded ridge. And, uh, you know, I, the pictures, I usually cash some pictures on my phone going into the backcountry, um, you know, just for certain points and spots. And I didn't have this, this certain uh, ridge that he was going behind. I kind of was just outside of these pictures I had taken because we were already so far back into the, into the backcountry. And, uh, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, man, everything, this is just perfect. Like this, this bull is dead to rights. It's, I've never been in this good of a situation, you know, pulling off a stock like this, this long of a stock. And it was just falling into place. In my mind, I'm thinking they wrap this, this little ridge. I'm just going to hop up and over and I'll be able to, I'll be on top of the herd. I should have a 50, 55 yard shot. Um, cause it was a pretty tight little Canyon on the backside. Well, I kind of run up the ridge and timing for the, the herd of bull elk to come, the, the herd of elk and the bull to come around the point of the ridge. And I peek up and over and it is just an absolute sheer cliff on the other side of me out of nowhere. Like I would have never thought <laughs> right? like the side I was standing on, I would have never in a million years thought the other side was just absolute sheer cliff. Like it was just such a nice grass, you know, pine trees, just perfect little rolling ridge that I was on the side of. By the time I got to the top, there wasn't a descent to, to actually work down onto the herd. It was just a complete flat, sheer cliff. So I'm sitting there at a hundred yards watching, you know, this world-class bull get it back into the backcountry. And, you know, we were already multiple days back in there and we had to work our way back out um, due to resources. But uh, man, it just, that, that whole process just stuck out in my head and I'm, and I just coming, coming back full circle to, to this, uh, to this product is like, there's no, the, every 2D is, it's been done, right? Like that it's been done and it, it doesn't help the situations that I'm in. We got to do something better. And so that's kind of really where it came like full to life is all right, we're going to do this the right way. We're going to take our time. And you know, if it takes us longer than what people expect, so be it, but we're going to do this the right way. And it has to be 3D. What are some other tools that we can find on this? So on the maps specific. Yep. So our e-scouting is, uh, is full 3d full pan tilt kind of shake the earth, whatever direction you want up, down, all that stuff. And it really gives you a phenomenal idea of where you're going into, but obviously we need a, a suite of e-scouting tools. So, you know, freehand unit graphs that you want to draw for huntable country line path tools, all of like the basic necessities that we call it for navigation, um, which is also another fun definition to play with. What's basic for navigation, right? Sure. What's basic, basic for navigation is not basic for Western hunters, right? Western hunters need a few more tools on the basics of nav to actually make it a basic Western hunting tool. So we have all of that products we've covered as far as the basics for a Western hunter goes. But then we actually have like some very uh, specific tools on our on our e-scouting platform are basically shooting line measurement tool. It'll give you actually the trajected bullet from elevation gain or loss as you measure the distance. Um, it'll give you the, the true distance and then it'll also give you the distance cut based on elevation gain loss. Um, it'll give you- a, Does that just use cosine? Yes, you probably know a lot more about it than I do, right? I have very smart people uh, that work with us, thank God. And they know the right way to do it. And I just know I draw that line and yep, I can make that shot. Yes. Nice. So 500 shooting 450. I can make that shot. I can shoot from that peak. Gotcha. It actually would be fun to have you play around with that, with your background and how well you would understand it. Um, maybe give us a little uh, insight into ways to make it better. It's, it is pretty damn good right now, but I love, you know, just working with people who are best in class and seeing what they can come up with. Um, but then we, uh, you know, we have a lot of, of other like collection and foldered opportunities because me going into a map, like I said, I'm not looking at a map because I am a cartologist. I'm looking at a map because I'm a Western hunter. So the way I break down or the way we break down as Western hunters, looking at a map is usually for a specific purpose, right? And Colorado, welcome. You can folderize that and put all this data into this folder. 
and keep it as a cataloged uh, data set for your records as far as what your e-scouting does or where you want to go. And then, you know, look at Nevada deer, folderize that, categorize it, set all that data into that folder. So it keeps things very organized because as Western hunters, we stay very organized. We have to, right? We There's so much uh, knowledge and, and things that you that you need to be able to do and things that you need to be able to know. And so we stay very organized. Like it's my wife always actually makes fun of me because I'm very disorganized in my everyday life, right? Like extremely disorganized. But when it comes to hunting, I have things absolutely dialed because they, have, <laughs> right? they, they absolutely have to. And uh, so we're, we're very organizational in nature based on the, the mental uh, you know, the mental run through that you go through beforehand as a Western hunter, we're built to fit that, uh, thought process. And then that e-scouting has to translate to something, right? It's, you don't want that wasted effort that I was talking to in the beginning. So our, everything that happens on your e-scouting is cloud stored and is updated onto your, your mobile navigation tool that now goes out into the field. And we've, we've solved for that lost, that lost effort of, you know, dealing with Google earth 3d on, on your desktop to doing all this stuff and then having to strip the data out and, you know, download it into a GPS chip to then put it onto your phone, all that stuff we've solved for that. Um, and it, and it really facilitates that Western hunters process of like e-scouting, figuring out where they want to go, very, uh, intuitive to the mindset of a Western hunter. And then obviously saving all of that data just having it import straight to your phone without having to do anything when you want to go off into the field. So are people going to have to pay extra to get this mapping app on their phone if they're already a member of GoHunt? No. So uh, Insider, and that's a good, that's a good question too. Um, Insider has been $149 since day one. And, and look, I'll be the first one to say, I know that is incredibly expensive for what we offered day one of the product what we offered when we first came out five and a half years ago. But, you know, I, I've had a very clear and strong vision of what this entire company was going to accomplish and what this entire product was going to encapsulate throughout the process that, you know, I wanted to set the precedence that this, this is the value, right? $149. This is the value and everything we add from here on out, the membership is $149. And, uh, you know, it's grown to now where, uh, you know, I think it's an absolute steal. And anybody who has a multi-state strategy would, would agree with me. We have a ton of testimonials that, that support that, which it's always nice to be validated. You know, I kind of knew that was going to happen as we built this out and our vision was becoming a reality. It's obviously always nice to be validated by the consumer. I agree with you, by the way. I think that um, that, that money you can recover in a single year just by using the data that's available to not make mistakes. Like you're, you're going to make that money back. If you're hunting two States a year, you'll be able to make that money back by making better decisions and not wasting that money doing so. And then on a, like on a personal note in a, in a culture piece that I'm very proud of within go hunt is, you know, I, I have a deep level of respect and connection to Western hunters because of what they do for the animals. You know, I, I hunt out of love and it's usually very easy to explain that to a, to a, another, you know, hunter or uh, somebody who comes from the same background. That's a very hard notion for people outside of hunting to wrap their head around. Like I genuinely love these animals. I feel more at home, you know, in that peace in the backcountry, sleeping with them, waking up with them, watching them, you know, watching nature in its rawest form. It's such, it's such a special thing to be able to experience in life in the United States, having this public land uh, offering with, with, you know, a lot of animals and this federal oversight of the protection of them. It's just such a special thing, especially I've, you know, I've been lucky enough to travel the world and it's just not the same in other places at all. And it's just, I really have a connection with these, with Western hunters because of they're putting their money to protect these wild animals and the wild places that they live in when they apply for states, right? Like not a lot of people are, are fully aware that what supports the federal fishing game at the state level is hunting license sales. 
right? So the more people you can get to apply, you can get to apply and you can break down this barrier of, of uh, you know, the overwhelming thought of like having to go to a new state and a new draw process and a new this and all that. I just, I have a lot of respect for, for people who are putting their hard earned money towards these states for hunting licenses so we can better protect these animals in this public land resource that we have that is just unbelievably special to us in the United States. And it, you know, it is, it is really special. Yeah. Want to respect our users to not like, Hey, by the way, here's a price increase. Like that's not what I'm in this business for. Right. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't care for that. I care about protecting these places and these animals. You know, that since we're talking about it, like who's paying, who's actually paying for this conservation, there is a group out there that hunters often neglect to thank. And I say hunters because nobody else is going to thank them for sure. But the bulk of the money that goes into Pittman Robertson, they gets paid back to States in kind, depending on how many licenses they sell are the shooters, just, just the gun gun and bullet community that have nothing to do with hunting. Like they're funding wildlife more than anybody else. They're flipping the tab and, and they're taking the blunt force of, you know, the antis not to use that in a negative word. It's just an easy, you know, easy word to uh, define the two sides, but, you know, they, they take the, the blunt force trauma and then we're next on the list and we're the ones, they are the ones. And then we're second up to bat doing yeah. the most for these wild places and wild things. You know, it's just, it's kind of a crazy, kind of a crazy social breakdown in, in between that. It's just always fairly, it's fascinated me over the last quite a few years. Yeah. And it's definitely something that's worth bringing up. If you're having a civil conversation with somebody about, about gun control, et cetera, um, is like, Hey, how do you feel about the fact that these guys are the ones who are funding conservation? It's like, yeah. And, and nobody else is willing to do it. Nobody else is willing to do it. That, you know, long, long, uh, long winded side note, you know, the price of 149 out of respect for our, our users that are putting their money there, that the price we're just, we're not in it to raise prices one day and say, Oh, we get to make this much more money now. That's not what we're here for. Yeah. I, I really respect that. And, you know, we do a similar thing here on the six ranch with, uh, with our beef prices, we keep our beef prices exactly the same. And, you know, people often ask like, Oh, I see the price of beef is way up. You guys doing better. It's like, no, we're doing the same as we always do. Um, we're, we're not going to gouge people just because there's limited availability or, or for whatever reason, like I'm not going to make an extra 10 bucks today and then potentially lose that customer tomorrow. Like I want to be fair and honest and sustainable. And here my family's been ranching since 1884. We have a good model for sustainability. And part of that is don't take too big of a bite. Like exactly. just do what you need to do and, and keep going and, and be honest about it. Give more than you take, right? That's the definition of sustainability. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to, and you've got to constantly improve. Um, and it, it's a funny thing that uh, I guess this is a coincidence with Xerox because I wasn't planning on talking about it, but I'm always interested in brands that um, that become the name of the group of items like uh, like Kleenex, right? There's a bunch of tissue companies, but we call them all Kleenex, yeah. um, Q-tips, Xerox, right? All kinds of printers, but you know, for a long time, they're all called Xerox machines. Xerox had a really interesting model because they had all kinds of improvements that they could have made initially. And then um, they'd hire new engineers and then they'd have this big bunch of improvements, but they didn't, they metered them out slowly and they sought constant incremental improvement and they stayed relevant within the technology space for a very long time. And they're, st they're still relevant today. I'm not trying to take that away from them, but you have to constantly improve. And I think that's an important thing for, for sustainability models as well. And you're doing it. Exactly. And that, and that's in, and that's our DNA is sustainability, give back more than you take and always, always push the limits of, of making it better, but still sustainable. Right. And it's, and it's that fine balance of, um, of doing that over time. And, you know, we, uh, the guys, the guys we have here, it, it's, we have a really special thing going on here, not to get too sentimental, sentimental, but like, putting these hunters and technologists in a room together and watching them organically respect each other for what they do. It, it is, it really surfaces amazing innovation. That is, uh, 
that is sustainable at the same time, because obviously that's, that's the main part of our DNA. And, uh, and it's not stopping. I mean, just because we added, you know, just added the one of the bigger product offerings we could possibly offer within our membership, it's not stopping, right? I mean, we, we have a long roadmap and a North star that we're all marching to within the walls of Go Hunt. And, uh, you know, with the same DNA and culture, that's going to take us along that path the entire way. So tell me, and, and that's awesome. I, th- I think that's great. And I can't wait to see what that North star actually is. And I'm not even going to ask at this point, cause I know you're not yeah. going to tell me, um, <laughs> but tell me more about your background. Like, how did you get to the point where you are now? Like, you know, you grew up where, and then eventually that led to, you know, founding this incredible digital platform. Yeah. So, I mean, do I get to live in the glory days? Cause I'm out of shape and old and broken down, but can I live in the glory days a little bit? Absolutely. <laughs> so I was born and raised in Las Vegas. Um, obviously not a, a hunting Mecca, but honestly, very under, uh, underappreciated for its, its outdoors and hunting as a whole. Um, we have some world-class hunting available. Yes, it is hard to get a tag and I do not discount that. Uh, but being a resident, we get 90% of the tag quota. And, uh, you know, pick, picking up archery and muzzleload tackle obviously makes it a lot easier to draw tags. Um, but I, I was born and raised here, and I did have a hunting background. My, my uncle's great-grandparents, I can't ever remember if it was great-great or great-grandparents, uh, homesteaded a piece of property in, in southern Utah. And that, my uncle Heath, um, who, who lived in Utah through that lineage of family, is really where like this, his, his dad, Bill Sartini and him really like started this hunting heritage in our family. Typically hunting does come from a family lineage, although that is, that is changing now with people wanting to get self-sustainable in, in another movement, which I think is an amazing thing that people are putting their, their effort into is this, you know, sustainability of, of hunt to table and farming their own, you know, their own stuff in the backyard. But, uh, my uncles and them, they, they kind of passed down this lineage, got my father involved, right? Uh, my uncle Bill got my father involved. And my grandpa, my dad's dad did not hunt, but my dad just absolutely fell in love with it with, with his uncle Bill and uh, grew up in Southern Utah hunting. Obviously, when I was born, I followed him and did the same, went up to our homesteaded property in Utah. Uh, not overly big, so we were all over all over the parts of Southern Utah. This is back in the day where it was just kind of open. Like the state of Utah was, you know, vast. I mean, you could go a lot of places just on a general tag. And, uh, you know, we were all over the place. And as I got older, obviously 12 years old, needing to be hunting in Utah, Nevada, I started hunting with my dad constantly. That's all I wanted to do. That's it. I played a lot of sports um, and I'm about to live in the glory days just to let everybody know it's coming, <laughs> uh, but I was, I was playing sports, but obviously when you're 12, it's not, you know, overly important. And I was hunting a lot. It's all I wanted to do for my birthdays. I was born in November. Uh, so we'd go up duck hunting up in some of the, the, you know, WMAs we have here, keep them in uh, waterfowl stuff. And, you know, it's not good. Nobody needs to come down to Nevada to try to shoot a duck. It is not good hunting at all, but it was honestly just me being outside in nature. I've always had that like deep, uh, level of ground, uh, that deep feeling of grounding, uh, of being grounded when I was out in the wild since I was a kid, I can remember it perfectly. And I still have that exact same feeling now, which, um, you know, I'm really happy that hasn't faded just that just being out there, not even hunting really. Right. Or not even finding that amazing animal, just being out there. And so that's all I wanted to do. And uh, I started to play football in high school and I got to a very high level. Here comes the glory days. I got to an extremely high level of, of athletics and football and uh, was receiving, you know, a lot of interest from D1 schools and scholarships and those types of things. And I, I saw it as a way to get out of Las Vegas, not as a way to further athletics because hunting was in my mind. Like, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an outdoorsman. That's where I wanted to be. I wanted to have that feeling, you know, growing up as a kid, being out in the mountains in those small towns like Tonopah, Nevada and and, uh, Ely, Nevada and all this stuff and and Penguich, Utah. I wanted to live that life and not just go visit it. 
that's what I saw my opportunity to, you know, to get out of Las Vegas. I just never really felt at home in the city. So I turned down a lot of, a lot of, uh, very high level scholarships and ended up taking a scholarship to the university of Montana. Um, I, the reason why I chose it is, uh, when I went up there on my visit, you know, I had done the D one stuff and, in you know, the big high level football stuff and it was cool. It was amazing. It was an amazing experience for me. Uh, but when I went to university of Montana on my visit, my host picked me up and he had a bunch of greenheads in the back of his truck. And we were going to the game that Saturday morning, like the host, you know, you go out with them Friday, you get to hang out with the coaches, all that stuff. And then they take you to a game, a home game the next day. Well, he came and picked me up and he had a bunch of greenheads in the back of his truck. And I'm like, where is that old? What's going on? It's like, no, it's just kind of my ritual on game day. I go out and shoot a couple ducks on, on this river over here. My dad and I have a blind set up and I literally looked at him. I'm like, holy shit, I'm, this is where I'm going. This is it. Like, this is my outdoorsman opportunity. So I ended up accepting, uh, looked into it, you know, further about all the hunting opportunity and all this stuff and just fell in love to the point where I actually showed up and said, I don't want the scholarship. Let somebody else have it. Like, I'm just, I'm not into it. I'm taking this away from somebody who truly wants to do this. And I truly want to be an outdoorsman. So I ended up going to Montana still and literally hunting and fishing every single day I was up there. And when I was up there was the first like kind of twinkle in my mind of the opportunity of Western hunting. I was so comfortable with Nevada and Utah's draws and applications and hunting regulations and how it all worked. And then when I went to Montana, Montana's got one of the most complicated systems out there. And I could not believe the inconsistency between the, we're doing the exact same thing, right? Like the, by definition, even at, to go hunt standard, it's Western hunting in Montana, the same as it is in Nevada and Utah. And I could not believe the inconsistency of how different they were. And then you throw in Idaho who has over the counter tags, you can go put two white tail tags in your pocket over the counter go to Hell's Canyon or any of that crazy stuff in there and go hunting every year without even applying in a drone, right? You just hunter safety and a hunting license, buy a couple of tags and go. Like I just, I kind of believe the differences there. And when I came home, hardest decision I ever made was to come home. Um, but family support, I'm very close with my family. I have a brother, a uh, younger sister, and very close with my dad and mom, like very family oriented. Uh, I decided the right thing to do was to come home and, and, you know, be a part of the family. I don't want to be the black sheep. It's a bad thing to be a black sheep in an Italian family. <laughs> let other people know that because I was, I was close. So I felt a little bit of the wrath and, you know, ended up coming home. And when I was working here, you know, this is back in, I graduated in 2010, uh, not fun to be anywhere with the, the downturn, right. With the recession. Well, especially not fun to be in Nevada, which I actually looking back on it and I'm sorry for, you know, people who went through a lot of hard times, but it was actually, it pushed my, my timeline of getting into the hunting industry. It pushed it a lot faster because there was no, no benefit in the gaming and, and casino culture of Las Vegas, because it was just on such a downturn. And that's really the only industry we had here in 2010. It's grown a little bit now. You know, we have some tech things going on. Z uh, Zappos was bought by Amazon. So now Amazon has a huge presence here. Like we're kind of getting some more industry involved, but in 2010, it was just not fun to be here and to be in the single sole industry we had. And so it really pushed my timeline to get into the hunting industry. And I knew I needed to be there. Like it was, it, I just had a deep, like that, that grounding, that grounded feeling I had when I'm in the outdoors and in the backcountry. I had that to the industry itself as well. And I just knew I wanted to be there as a person. Like that's where I needed to be and where I wanted to be. And uh, started thinking of ways to get into it. And I don't know if, if you uh, remember Jason Hairston of Kuyu. Yep. But I actually sent him an email, basically begging for a job where I, it's kind of embarrassing to look back on my 23, 24 year old self, sending an email to somebody who like, was my absolute idol at the time, right? He built two, he built Sika doing the Kuyu thing. And I 
it's a, an extremely embarrassing email when I look back on it. I wish I was a little, a little more well-rounded and professional when I sent it, but you know, he, he got back to me and um, we started a conversation of, you know, just the industry itself. And he became a fairly good mentor for me as, as like ways to think, right? Like I came from this Nevada casino gaming industry background, which is so different than anything else really in any other industry. Um, and he kind of mentored me on, on how it works, you know, how to go about it, how to think about it, the community, the culture, and, you know, just kind of puts this fire in me even more so to, to do something. And uh, I found somebody here in town that had a lot of online experience. His name is Chris Porter. He helped me co-found the business. And I just started pinging him with these thoughts, right? These in inconsistencies in the states, state by state stuff. And I said, here's what I go through, right? Like, I'm not the smartest guy. I didn't go to Yale. I didn't go to, you know, I didn't go to any of these high level schools. Um, if anything, the only reason why I got into school was because of athletics, um, you know, but him and I started talking and uh, I'm like, you know, I'm running my own draws. I'm running my own state strategy application process. And like, I know I'm not doing myself that big of a service doing this. I know I'm missing out on a lot. And I know there's an opportunity to bring this all online. Like I said, I graduated in 2010. That's when everything online was blowing up. Zillow, Amazon, right? Everything was consolidating this mass amounts of information and data and making it filterable and usable for the consumer for what they wanted. So they didn't have to wade through all of the stuff that was just overwhelming, right? And uh, I mean, doesn't that sound like Western hunting to begin with? right? There's just so much opportunity and information and data and inconsistencies. Why, why wasn't there something to simplify it, right? Like why, why were Western hunters still having to figure it out through state proclamations? It was just crazy to me. And so we built a business plan. You know, Chris was, was an amazing piece to that puzzle because he understood where we needed to take it, understood my problems and my problem set, where we needed to take it. And, uh, you know, put a business plan together and one thing led to another. And we have built this out over the last, uh, we've had a product for about five and a half years and incorporated about six years ago. It's been, been pretty wild. That's uh, that's an impressive story. I like it. It's great. I had a, a, a similar route myself, actually. I, I was supposed to go wrestle at all of the military academies. I had my, my pick of the litter there. And then I got a rodeo scholarship to Montana Western. I was like, hmm, I don't want to diet anymore. I'm going to Montana. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, you could spot elk from campus. You could bow hunt on campus. They had a yeah, gun room. In the weight. Who wants to make weight anymore? Yeah, Let's go hunt. No, no, that's, that's out. That's out. I'm going to go, I'm going to go rodeo. I'm going to go fly fish. And I rodeoed for a year and I was like, all right, that's dumb too. So then it was just hunting and fishing yeah. but in, instead of making a, you know, a, a giant and hugely successful um, hunting tech company. I went into the Marine Corps, <laughs> which was another poor life choice. That's, a, that's another, that's another piece of life that I have an incredible amount of respect for. So thank you for that. Oh, thanks for saying so. But uh, anyways, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting how, uh, how little decisions can have such huge implications later on. Right. Exactly. And uh, I don't know that that means that we need to focus harder on those little decisions because it would blow your mind up to think of what the future implications possibly could be. Um, but it's fun to look back on it, isn't it? It is. It's a lot of fun to look back on it. And, and you know, the, the two things I think that were like that absolutely played in my favor is I've always had a very strong gut feel. And I, it's just it's something that I've learned through maturity to listen to more. Uh, it's obviously a lot harder when you're younger and kind of scrambling around, but I've always, I've always had that. I've always been in touch with my gut feelings. And I've also, I've always been a very disciplined person. Like my wife, Chris, or my co-founder, I, I drive these people absolutely nuts with discipline. <laughs> I just, I think those two things are really what landed me, you know, to, to now where I'm just insanely happy and, and appreciative of the opportunity I have. 
Well, two things for me. One, I want to congratulate you on the success that you've had so far. And, uh, and I'm glad that you're not letting up and that you're going to keep going. Yeah. And, uh, and then the second thing is just to, to thank you for this addition that you've added onto the program, because I already felt like I was definitely getting my money's worth out of Gohan. And now that you've added this mapping, it's like, I, I feel like I'm getting away with something. And now to hear the background on how it came to be and, and to know that there's more future ahead, it's pretty exciting. There, there's a lot, a lot more future. The fun thing about being uh, on, the mobile, on the mobile side, right? It, it's new to us. The fun thing about that is how fast it can move. Like, man, you, it is crazy how fast this world can move and how fast you can add features. And right now, you know, we released the MVP, which is minimal viable product, right? Is it, that's in tech terms. I'm not smart enough to coin that or use that. I just know that guys here that are smart enough, that's, that's the word they throw around. Uh, but man, like the, how fast we are going to move from now going forward into hunting season is like buckle up and, and hang on. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. And, and it, it's so fun to be in these meetings. And like I said, this organic appreciation of these technologists, technologists and hunters putting their heads together, that the organic creation of what happens is just, it's, uh, it's incredible. We had an all, all team meeting today, kind of going through updates and what's to come. And I have never been more uh, excited for, for what's about to come. I mean, this, uh, this offline mobile mapping uh, product that we have now is it's just off and running and it's only going to get better. Oh, that's great. Well, it's, it's an exciting thing. I'm going to put, um, put links to everything down here in the show notes. If you guys want to learn more about go hunt, you want to learn more about Lorenzo and, uh, I encourage you to do so. I believe that it's money well spent and, uh, it's definitely, there's definitely money that I've spent in hunting that I can look back on and say it was dumb. This is not one of those cases for me. <laughs> I agree. We've all been there, right? I mean, yeah, all been there. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. I live in an old cabin with bad to non-existent insulation and wood heat. That cabin can see snow every month of the year and needs a good amount of firewood stacked in the woodshed to carry through the colder months. This spring as my wood pile turned to smoke and ash, I noticed something metal pushing out of the decades of sawdust and bark. I kicked at it and unearthed a Stanley thermos. The cup was missing and it showed more worn stainless steel than green. There were dents in the metal and the handle looked like a puppy had chewed on it, but it still hadn't leaked the old coffee I could feel slosh inside. It took me back to memories of cutting firewood with my dad, waking up early for an elk hunt or going out to the canyons to gather cattle. A Stanley Thermos has the durability to survive whatever hard work you throw at it. You may find it carries memories as well as coffee. Learn more about their new and classic line of products at Stanley1913.com or at your local sporting goods store. And catch you next week. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share the show with a friend. You can also rate the podcast and leave a review. Your support allows me to keep doing what I love, which is meeting incredible folks and sharing their stories with you. For more content and photos, follow the show on Instagram at Six Ranch Podcast or me at Six Ranch Outfitters. This episode was produced by Emily Brannigan with original music written and performed by Justin Hay. Art for the Six Ranch Podcast was created by John Chatelain and digitized by Celia Christofferson. Tune in every Monday for a brand new episode of the Six Ranch Podcast. I'll catch you next week.